Welcome to Window of Opportunity, a Stargate rewatch podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 4, Episode 13, The Curse. Da-na-na. There's probably going to be a lot of that this episode of me just going, da na na. Appropriately, the 13th episode. <gasps> ah. oh, did they do that on purpose? Uh, I don't know. Okay. But here's so here's an interesting thing. So there's uh, this website I go to to look up the transcript so I can pull out like quotes to you know put in my notes and stuff. And that site has this listed as episode 14. And also at the end of the commentary, they said, and that was episode 14. But like the airing order, this aired next. So and I couldn't find anything if like they were supposed to be. 13 and 14 were written to be in a different order and then they ended up airing them, you know, the other way around. Hmm. But I couldn't find anything about that, but it was weird. But like every other website that like has the Stargate episodes lists this as episode 13. So, oh. I and the next episode was supposed to be 13? Or I don't know. I don't like in it like the the website with the transcripts has 13 and 14 flipped. Okay. Like they list episode yeah. 13 as Serpent's Venom instead of the Curse and mm. yeah. So mm. I don't know. Well, we'll have to decide next week if we think they were in a good order or if they yeah. should have been swapped. Hmm. Yeah, cuz I mean this is a fairly self-contained episode that doesn't really have much to do with the larger plot of this show, but I mean, I remember generally what happens in the next episode, but I don't know if it would have any impact on, like, how characters are sort of feeling in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But that might be a good thing to keep in mind as we watch next week's episode. We shall! Okay. So, uh, shall we get into this week's episode, then? Let's do it! Okay. So, again, this is The Curse. It originally aired on September 22nd, 2000. It was written by Joseph Malazzi and Paul Mully, directed by Andy Makita. And on the commentary, we have Andy Makita, Peter West, the director of photography, and returning James Titchener, the visual effects supervisor. Oh, fun. So, in this episode, when Daniel Jackson returns to Chicago to attend the funeral of his mentor, a celebrated archaeologist, he soon realizes that the death is mysteriously connected to the recent discovery of a 10,000-year-old Egyptian artifact that might be cursed by a vengeful pharaoh. Mm. What could that mean? I don't know. I have absolutely no idea. (laughs) (laughs) There's no way to tell. All right. Okay. Uh, So we open in a room full of artifacts, and this is Dr. Jordan staring at what he will soon call the Osiris jar when uh, one of his uh, coworkers or, like, uh, grad student, I don't know, associate of his, uh, Stephen, comes in. And apparently very late in the day, but Dr. Jordan is still there because he finally got word that they can do a resonance scan on the jar and he's super excited to see what's inside. And Steven seems upset, question mark, that they plan on returning all of this stuff to Egypt after they do the scan. Um, like, Like after they're done like cataloging and analyzing all of these Egyptian artifacts, they will be sent back to Egypt as they should be. So... His attitude's a little weird. Um, and he's also he also says that the jar probably contains the mummified heart of a pharaoh. But note here, the heart was actually like the one organ that they left in the body when it was mummified, like so they could have their heart in the afterlife. So it wouldn't have a heart in it. I Oh, yeah. I thought it was the brain, but no, I'm wrong. Yeah. No, it's the heart. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, fun fact from the commentary, this is actually a location, not a set. This is based in the Maritime Museum in Vancouver. So they like, you know, fancied it up with some set dressing, but otherwise, like all of this museum sort of based stuff is actually a location and not a set, which I thought was cool. Oh, fun. Yeah. They were like, it just looked like what we would have built. So we just filmed there. (laughs) (laughs) That's usually how it goes with. Yeah. Filming on location. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's exactly what we want. So we'll just do that. <laughs> um, so 
So Dr. Jordan heads out to go do the scan and Stephen says he'll meet him down there in a few minutes after he finishes up some stuff. And he sort of reaches down and examines this gold amulet that has a representation of like an Egyptian god or pharaoh sitting on top of a circle of like black stone. We then cut over to the SGC. We're up in the briefing room. Daniel enters with an arm full of folders and sees Jack reading the uh, ubiquitous Stargate tabloid magazine that Tilk loves oh so much. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Daniel grabs for it and oh my god, his old archaeology professor is dead. And Jack is reading the horoscopes, right? Yes. Yes, I love that. Yep. And so then we get to the opening credits. So we start with a death. So I think this is fun. This is one of those episodes where it's like it's a Stargate episode, but it's also like a murder mystery. You know, I do love a good murder mystery. Me too. Yeah, but I was sad that like the announcement was in a tabloid. Also, it made it was so gloriously tabloidish and said that it was like a lab explosion. Yes. It's like they're not chemists <laughs> or or anything that they would be working with that would normally explode and nobody ever talks about it ever again except to refer to it as the lab explosion. Well, we do so, like, we do get in the next scene, like, what the police are saying happened. Yeah, but... It that there was an explosion. Yeah, so. but... I just found it really funny that, like, they're not, they're not chemists. I mean, other, other things explode all the time, like houses and stuff that don't have chemistry labs in them. That's true. It just seemed very out of place, rather than, yeah. like, some other sort of way for him to die but no lab explosion (laughs) i'm well you know the bad guy had to cover his tracks yeah so best way to do that is with an explosion so yes mysterious Mm -hmm. explosions works every time uh always yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) so we come back from the opening credits and we see daniel arriving at a cemetery where the funeral is taking place and stephen is giving a very touching eulogy for Dr. Jordan and sort of pauses and sort of fumbles over his words a bit as he sees Daniel sort of standing off in the back. Looking very much in pain. Yes. And brooding. Mm-hmm. Yes. So the funeral's over and Daniel goes to catch up with Stephen, who's played by Ben Bass, and Sarah, played by Anna Louise Plowman, who, fun fact, is the daughter-in-law of Maggie Smith. Oh, Okay. Yeah. Um, when they introduce her, it was very much like, if you didn't know before, this person is hot because it was like, <laughs> the glamour, like love interest, boom boom, like like glamour turn around, slow smile, Daniel, like ah, with the sun in her hair and yes, glistening. <laughs> this is an attractive person. Ah, oh, got it. Yes. Alert, yes. alert, love interest, love interest. Yes, um, very much. <laughs> Um, so he used to work with Stephen and Sarah uh, back at the museum under Dr. Jordan. And through this conversation, we learn a few things. Uh, according to police, the cause of death of Dr. Jordan is being attributed to a gas leak, like a slow gas leak that sort of built up over time. And then there was a spark from something and kablooey. Um, it's so ridiculous. But you know what that always reminds me of is Vampire Diaries, how it just became funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> how many times did that house explode like way too many um, yeah, like everything every single time something happened in vampire diaries they would just call it a gas leak <laughs> yep <laughs> and then it became a running gag within the show of like gas leak gas leak okay gas leak. yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah every other time it's in another show it's like <sighs> um we also learn uh, Stephen apparently harbors some animosity towards Daniel, as Daniel was apparently the favorite student of Dr. Jordan, even after he left and went off and doing whatever. And here Stephen again brings up Daniel's theory about the pyramids being built by aliens, which was not Daniel's theory. Daniel's theory was just that the pyramids were older than we thought they were, and it was some random guy in the audience who said, well, who did build them, aliens? And Daniel's like, I don't know. It just, it's old. And that just annoys me so much that they keep harping on Daniel thought the pyramids were built by aliens because they weren't. (laughs) That's not the theory. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, Daniel and Sarah used to date. Surprise! We had no idea by glamour turnaround introduction. Knowing hair. Yes. Yes. Uh, So Sarah, uh, Stephen heads off because he's mad that Daniel's just there. 
So Sarah asks what he's been up to since there's nothing from him in the academic community in years. And obviously he can't tell her anything, but does say that Egyptian history is more amazing than anything they could have imagined. And she's like, I want to show you something. So we have a quick cut back to the SGC where SG1 is being given time off while Daniel is in Chicago. And Jack's like, great, Sam, let's go fishing. She's like, no, thanks. I got some other stuff I'm working on. And so Jack's like, are you sure? Like, yeah, it's 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 all good. I'm going to stay here and do stuff I think is fun, which is not fishing. <laughs> so Jack's like, Tilk, let's go. There's loons. It's going to be great. Uh, and Tilk Jim looks. just has no way to get out of it. Nope. He's like, okay. Um, so back in Chicago, Sarah has taken Daniel to Dr. Jordan's office to show him all of the amazing Egyptian artifacts. And these are all apparently from the 1931 Stewart expedition, which as far as I can tell is like, is a fictional expedition. Like I didn't find anything about anything named the Stewart expedition from 1931. So okay. otherwise I would have told you some fun facts about it, but it appears to be completely made up just for the show, which is totally fine. Zero fun um, facts. Okay. No, sorry. Uh, every member of that expedition died within a year of the dig, and the ship that was bringing all of the stuff to the U.S. sank just off the coast of New Jersey. And the ship was finally just discovered a few months ago with all of the crates still intact, so they got sent here. Daniel offers to stay to help catalog before everything gets returned to Egypt, and Sarah's like, great, and then she starts looking around, and the gold amulet has gone missing. <gasps> Surprise! Surprise! So Jack and Tilk are getting ready to head off fishing and Jack reminds General Hammond that they will be completely off the grid and unreachable. And Hammond's like incommunicado and Jack goes, Minnesota, sir. And I like that joke. That's a really good one. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yes. So Daniel is down in the basement of the museum looking into the whole missing amulet and the curator wrongly assumes he's actually looking for the missing Isis jar. And Daniel's like, no, but like you can tell that he's like, that's interesting. Something else is missing. Uh, but then the curator insists that the amulet was sent up to Dr. Jordan. She has like the paperwork for it and everything. He then asks back about the jar. He's like, okay, so, okay. So the amulet was supposed to be there. What's this about an ISIS jar? She's like, oh, it was just like in the wrong crate. It was mislabeled, but here it is. And so it's the funny thing where she's very short, can't reach it on the shelf it's on. And so Daniel gets it and pulls it down. Mm -hmm. And it has some very interesting symbols on it that Daniel will need to translate because nobody else has been able to figure out what they are. And she's like, cool, I'll be back with the Polynesian death masks if you need anything. Mm -hmm. Back at the SGC, Sam is working on the engine of a Harley Davidson with Siler. Which and her I rings. love. I know. You think it's going to be something like super sciencey or, you know, having to do with some sort of SG1 thing that they're working on already. But I love how it just turns out to be a motorcycle. Love it. Yep. yep. Um, apparently the first idea for what Sam was going to be doing was like gardening. But then Amanda was like, she's never home. She wouldn't have a garden because everything would be dead. Yeah. <laughs> like, good point. Yeah. So, um. So anyway, so it's Daniel on the phone. He's still in Chicago. Uh, so that ISIS jar that the curator had just found that had been sort of misplaced, it has Gould writing on it. What? Surprise. Dun, dun, dun. I don't, I don't know why they're like shocked though. Cause he does seem kind of like, Hmm, it has Gould writing on it. That's, we need to investigate that. Like, I don't know why at this point he would be surprised. I wasn't, I didn't quite read it as surprise, but more of like concern of like, oh, if this has Gould writing on it, there might be a Gould in it. Like, okay. I read it more as concern, not necessarily surprise. Okay, that's fair. Okay. So out on the lake at Jack's cabin, Jack and Tilk are fishing. The lack of fish is totally inconsequential. It's not actually about catching a fish. It's about the fishing, just the act of throwing a line into the water. I noticed in this scene that Tilk didn't have a chair. Like, it made sense for him to be standing, but he didn't even have a chair. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Which I, means that, like, when they were going out there, Jack didn't even think, like, I got my one chair, I got my one cooler, I got my, you know, all my stuff for me. We'll get you a, fish we'll get you a fishing pole. That'll be, <laughs> that'll be all you need. Maybe he thought Tilk could sit on the cooler if he wanted to. I don't know, but he put his feet up on the cooler. 
Oh, that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. uh, Interesting fun fact from the commentary. um, This location of Jack's cabin is actually part of the Vancouver Parks system. And that cabin is like the parks caretaker cabin. So the lake is actually like protected water area. So they couldn't actually put anything in the lake. Like they were originally supposed to be sitting in a boat, like in the middle of the lake. But yeah they couldn't put a boat in the water. So they shoot on the dock. And also they had to get then like a giant crane for the camera because they couldn't have like the camera out in the water to get that shot of like looking back at the dock. So it provided a couple sort of logistical kind of filming quandaries to figure out, okay, if we can't be in, then how do we have to set everything up and stuff? But. Oh, wow. That's really interesting that they couldn't even put a boat or a kit. Like, oh, I thought you were going to say like they couldn't have put fish in there for them to catch in the scene like yep. introducing animals would be no good but well like, they couldn't even put a boat in the water yes yeah wow so huh. yeah. the only thing they could put in the water was the fishing line so just then a phone rings and jack kind of looks at tilk like how dare you bring a phone to our private fishing trip and Tilk's like general hammond made me like it's not my fault he made me do it uh so it's daniel who is apparently back at the sgc somehow for some reason um even though he was just in chicago and is now back in colorado springs and that's like a two and a half hour flight and if he had to wait for commercial airline i'm there's yeah this is where some of the private jet we don't know i I was like is is has he commandeered like 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 an air force plane to get him back and forth because there's some timing stuff starting here that makes me kind of go um how is this all the same day well i wonder if so the flight out originally was you know personal so that was probably commercial Mm -hmm. but if there was some sort of like hey we might have gould activity here i'm guessing that's more of a priority so maybe he got like a private arranged something that 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 private jet from the pentagon that like major davis is on all the time maybe hammond was able to call in yes Uh, that could work okay Uh, let's let's go with that because that helps make things make more sense. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so he needs some help with the translation that's on that jar from Tilk, and there's a line he can't quite understand in Gould. It says Hakor Kra Terak Shri, and Tilk says that translates as banished to oblivion. Hmm. He then uh, practically begs Daniel to need his help back at the SGC. <laughs> Daniel's like, no, we're fine. And Jack grabs the phone from Silk, forcefully says goodbye to Daniel, turns off the phone, removes battery, and like chucks it over his shoulder. And then gives Tilt back the phone for no reason because the phone is now useless. (laughs) I I love how that whole plays out. Like, do you need me to come with you? Are you sure? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I kind of would have loved to see Tilk. In a museum in Chicago. That would have been cool. That would have been fun, yeah. But no. No. But, yeah, like, the commentary in the scene is just, like, these guys are hilarious. Because you also have, like, Christopher Judge standing there very stoically slapping at, you know, mosquitoes that aren't actually there. And just this, uh, they, like, I mean, there's some serious stuff happening in the scene, but it's still very funny. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So back at the SGC, Daniel is filling Sam and Hammond in on everything that he's kind of learned up to this point. And he includes that the jar indicates that Osiris and Osiris and Isis suffered some kind of uh, punishment or banishment. I think we covered this in the episode with Seth, but would you like a refresher of some fun facts about Osiris and Isis so we know what's happening here and who these people are? Oh, yes, please. Go ahead. Okay. So the myth of Osiris kind of starts coming together into what we know today at a, in about 2400 BCE. Uh, Osiris was the god of fertility and the embodiment of the current pharaoh at the time of death. Uh, his son, and then so therefore the next pharaoh, was Horus. Uh, so what Daniel says here is partially true. So in the myth, Seth kills Osiris. Uh, however, the known myth differs from what Daniel says in that Osiris's body was torn into 14 pieces and spread all across Egypt. However, within the context of Stargate, Daniel saying that Seth put him in a magical box and tossed him in the Nile, sarcophagus, you know, makes sense mm-hmm. in the Stargate universe of things. Right. Um, so in the known myth, uh, Isis and her sister Nephthys 
found all of the 14 pieces and buried them, except for the phallus. Isis then conceived Horus with said phallus, and Osiris took his place as ruler of the underworld. And this is the start of a sort of cyclical thing where the pharaoh, who is Horus, dies, then becomes Osiris in the underworld, the living son becomes Horus, et cetera, et cetera. So Isis then hid Horus from Seth until Horus was strong enough to overthrow Seth and take his rightful place on the throne. She is also the goddess of protection and was said to have magical powers that would be invoked to heal the sick and protect the dead. So So that's where we are with these people and what they were Uh in ancient Egypt. So uh, General Hammond orders Sam to analyze the contents of the jar and Daniel Warren start to be careful because of, you know, the curse. Because there's a on everything. <laughs> I like how that's just like the, the button line on the end of like, also, because it could be gold stuff, could be a gold in it. Also, it's cursed. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's also the problem of one of the jars still being missing. And so Daniel is going to head back to Chicago to continue looking for it. So still that same day, but now the evening, uh, Daniel shows back up in the basement of that museum, but all the lights are out and he finds a flashlight, starts roaming around and bumps into Stephen, who says he's looking for the breaker box. Stephen tells Daniel that the curator is probably gone since the lights were out when he got there. So Daniel asks Stephen about the other jar, the Osiris jar, which is the one that Dr. Jordan had at the beginning. And Stephen tells him that it was destroyed in the explosion. And Daniel seems to maybe not quite believe him about that. Mm-hmm. And so Daniel then asks about the amulet. Stephen doesn't answer. He's just like fed up of Daniel even being here at this point. He's like, you have no right to be here taking over like my work. And Daniel's like, don't you mean Dr. Jordan's work? He's like, no. This is mine and Sarah stuff. You left. Why are you here? Like, just he, he's over Daniel being there at this point. Yeah. Um, Daniel doesn't want to get, get into it, really, and just tells Stephen that they're going to need his help. And by this point, they found the breaker box. Power gets turned back on, which also includes the elevator that you can kind of hear in the background. And they, like, start heading over that way. And Stephen's like, why do we need your help? Are there aliens involved? And it's like, uh, no, the curator yeah. is dead no. I mean, yes, yes but no, mostly because the curator is dead <laughs> <laughs> yes but mostly the other thing but mostly dead person um so from the commentary interesting thing so this shot both the shot sort of like into the elevator and then the shot on daniel and Stephen with like the slats of light was sort of accidental like they had intended for the doors to slide open to reveal the dead curator but they couldn't get the elevator to work <laughs> Oh, so but it's kind of cool because there's there's a little mystery kind of, you know, little it's a little more evocative than just the body, you know, kind of having yeah. to look at it through the slats. I think it's yeah. kind of cooler. I like I liked it. So back at the SGC, Sam is running an MRI on the jar, which just from like external analysis is just an ordinary ceramic jar. Unfortunately, the scan reveals that inside is a gold symbiote. <gasps> Surprise. Back in Chicago, it is now finally the next day, and we're with Daniel and Sarah in Dr. Jordan's office, and he's telling her about the curator and the encounter with the police, because obviously they had to call the police, and right now they're attributing the death of the curator to some loose bricks that fell and just hit her on the head, so just a very unfortunate accident at this point, Uh, which I'm okay. okay. Right, just gas leak, mysterious brick. (laughs) Yep. It's all very Uh, normal. Mm-hmm. Totally normal happenings for a museum. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, he then asks if she has any pictures of the Osiris jar. He can't quite make out the inscription, but luckily Dr. Jordan wrote it down. And there's, again, this sort of string of symbols that nobody is able to figure out what they are. And Daniel's like, yeah, what What are they? And Daniel, you're a horrible liar. <laughs> Yes. And Sarah's like, you know, and he's like, "Mm, can't tell you. Sorry. Mm." So she then starts looking through the computer for any tests that may have been done on the jar so they can see if they got the results of whatever scan Dr. Jordan was doing. Quick scene again back at the SGC with the jar in one of those quarantine chambers and Dr. Frazier opens the jar with Sam sort of standing by her side and Hammond's up in the observation room. They get it open and... Luckily, the symbiote inside is dead. Yay. Yay. And 
even though the symbiote has been in that jar for several thousand years, it's still perfectly preserved. Like, it's still gooey. Like, it could have died yesterday, as Dr. Fraser said. So, so when was it supposed to have actually died? I think it died six months ago when they found the shipwreck and started bringing the crates up to ship to Chicago. I think that's when it died. Because I don't mm. think it died in 1931 because it would have been a little crusty if it had died 60 years ago. Yeah. So, yeah, that that's what right. I think. Because the whole time I was trying to figure out, like, okay, did, did until you find out in the end that, um, you know, Osiris was looking for his queen, um, I thought maybe Osiris had killed Isis but oh. and, like, done it intentionally. So mm-hmm. when you find out that's not true, I was trying to think to myself, well, when did when did Isis actually die? Yeah, I think yeah. it was very recent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So back in Chicago, uh, Dr. Jordan's files are all missing. Everything's gone, like emails and backups included. Uh, luckily, Sarah is apparently also an IT expert and is able to pull up the deleted data before it's completely overwritten by their computer system. Uh, The analysis on the amulet shows that it was over 10,000 years old. And Sarah's like, this is great. It's all the proof you ever wanted, Daniel, about your theory about Egypt. And he's like, yep, uh uh-huh, but we can't tell anybody. And she's Mm -hmm. like, why? And he's like, well, and he kind of makes a good point. He's like, it's one carbon dating, uh, like, fact datum point on an item that is now missing. So, I mean, there's this report, but there's nothing to verify said report. And Sarah's like, okay, let's go talk to the tech who did the testing and figure things out. And then she's like, oh, crap. Turns out Steven also got the results of that testing. Oops. Mm-hmm. Oh, Steven. Mm-hmm. So are, are you buying into this Steven is Osiris is a ghoul at this point? Like, what do you, like, what are you thinking? Well, I did actually remember that it was her, but like also if I didn't, I, this was very, very obvious misdirecting how they were trying to make everything point to Steven and then like, oh my God, it's it's not Steven. But yeah, Yeah. it was, it was not executed well with (laughs) the misdirection plot. Yeah, it's sort of, it's too obviously like neon signs. Steven's a gold, Steven's a gold. So Steven can't be the gold because. Right. Yeah. Right. So back at the SGC, Dr. Fraser and Sam are giving Hammond the results of their testing on the jar. And it turns out that the jar had a very small Naquita power source emitting a very low level electrical charge. And there had been some sort of liquid inside with possible sedative like properties. So the jar seems to have been some kind of stasis chamber keeping the symbiote what what i will say is like asleep quote unquote if you will but alive perhaps indefinitely because naquit is very powerful uh this one died when the seal was broken but the other jar if it survived mm-hmm. the trip without being broken there could very well be a gold roaming around somewhere <gasps> oh man crap So Daniel is in the basement scanning artifacts when uh, Sarah finds him and Daniel quickly hides the device away, which in reality is a Garmin GPS device. (laughs) (laughs) I always wonder about that thing. I know. What what is that? (laughs) It's just a Garmin GPS. Yep. Great. So Steven's gone, just packed up all his stuff and left. And Daniel's like, yeah, I kind of figured that out. Uh, I'm going to go see if I can find him and warn Sarah to stay away as Steven might not be who she thinks he is. And also the technician who did the testing on the amulet is dead too. So Sarah's now getting annoyed at Daniel and like all the stuff he's not telling her. Like he knows that she, she knows that he knows exactly what is going on, but just won't or can't tell her anything and he tries to explain it to her as best as he can without telling her anything but she's like it's just me like you can tell me because part of Daniel's argument was like the world's not ready to know what I know and she's like it I'm not the world I'm just me you can tell me right and he's like sorry I know can't and then she's like maybe very he was very good about about maintaining like nope can't mm -mm, sorry yeah yep and also uh his eyebrows are like all over the place. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't know if you noticed, but I just up and down and just like, 
Michael James and his dancing eyebrows were so all they, over the place. So there should have uh, been a line in there where she's like, your lips are saying nothing, but your eyebrows are telling me everything. <laughs> Maybe something like that, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, so he goes to leave and she's like, you know, maybe Steven was right. And maybe you should never have come back. It's like, ah, oh, crap, they're breaking <gasps> up again. <sighs> so back at the SGC, they believe Steven is the ghouled and like Daniel's back there. And after having been locked up for who knows how many thousands of years, who knows what Osiris might do. It does seem odd that only the amulet was taken out of like all of the stuff that was in that, you know, on, in the ship and in the crates and stuff. And... Uh, nothing else had any traces of Naquita in it. So apparently that's what Daniel was doing with the little scanner thing. Uh, so maybe that did for some reason. And they also bring up the possibility of Osiris is looking for the Isis jar or even maybe just away off of this planet because, you know, he's been stuck here for a long time. Because Earth sucks right now. Yep. Uh, down in the lab, Dr. Fraser has managed to synthesize the liquid that was in the jar, and it is now ready to be used as, like, uh, tranquilizer darts. Which, they just kind of throw that out there, but that is a big development to have I Dr. Know. Fraser all of a sudden be like, so I just totally made this gold tranquilizer, like, no big deal. <laughs> and it's never <laughs> mentioned in the show ever again. again? Oh. Like, you have a gold sedative, and you never use it just like, ever again. We're done. We're done with it. <laughs> yep. Uh, uh. So the phone in the lab rings, and it's for Hammond. Uh, Stephen is on his way to Cairo. So Dr. Fraser is going to go with uh, Sam and Daniel, and Hammond's going to alert the Egyptian authorities, but they need to keep this quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, really kind of just random. Sort Quietly of, no. alert Egypt that somebody's <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and it's like you couldn't send like two more soldiers with them like you have a soldier a scientist and a doctor well I guess Dr. <gasps> Frazier is also a soldier but still like when was the last time she was like in like a, any kind of combat scenarios like you couldn't send like yes how many like, times have we thought it was so weird when it's like a military operation and somehow Daniel's there and now going to find a gold is like it's like I know you want to keep this quiet and stuff because it isn't but like two more like two more guys right it's like, like you don't need a whole platoon with but... no backup again that's my memo yeah. for today again yeah. backup yes <laughs> um ridiculous yeah um, just sort of a funny note on the scene. So I'll often watch these episodes with subtitles too, just to, like catch like spellings of names and stuff. And yeah. uh, Michael Shanks and Donis Davis were talking so fast, like the subtitles couldn't keep up. <laughs> like oh, yeah? the subtitles were like delayed by like two sentences. Oh, like on the news? Yeah. It was nice. just like, oh, okay. Yeah. They're talking real fast. Okay. Um, so we then cut to the Richmond sand dunes. I mean, Egypt. And uh, Daniel's driving a Jeep over some very, very bouncy dunes as they have about 10 miles to go. So cut to the tomb. Steven's there kind of looking around in awe. He's like, oh, my God, this is so cool. I'm here. And uh, on sort of the far wall opposite the door, uh, there's a sort of raised area. um, And there's an empty spot that looks suspiciously like the amulet he stole. So he takes the amulet, puts it in that spot panel opens and like this altar rises revealing a gould hand device steven takes it starts to put it on then we hear off screen the sound of a gould eye flash steven turns around and gasps in surprise hey what it's not him it's not him no steven's not the gould so this site is supposed to be like where all the stuff was found right that's how everybody knew to go there yeah Osiris's okay. temple burial chamber something yeah okay because I I don't know I mean I'm, I must not have just been paying enough close attention but like I found it funny that like everybody knew exactly where to go like pinpointing exactly where this thing was and then I was like okay that must have I'm just gonna assume that's where everything came from yeah yeah they, they do say oh he's probably going to Osiris's chamber or something yeah so. Yeah, and and Stephen knew exactly where to put the amulet. Well, I mean, the 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 hole where he puts it looks exactly like the amulet he has. I know. So. But of all of, unless I would think, unless he had been there before and or studied it, 
very, very well. He, you'd think he'd at least be like walking around with it for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> but he goes like right there. Yeah. I mean, maybe they were pictures of, you know, that tomb that were part of the stuff in the crates. And he had studied those pictures and kind of maybe was like, oh, that's it looks like something should go there. And then he's later like, that thing looks like that thing in the picture that hmm. also weird that the people that did the original expedition and took all that stuff out of there also didn't notice it okay this this thing looks like it goes with this other thing or put the thing on the thing or maybe it was on the thing but closed so they took it off of the thing Mm, that could be that could be be. i'm just saying i know i know you're just saying you say all the time I know. I'm not saying. I'm just saying the 1930s would have been interesting if they were like, whoa, what is this electricity? Yes. Okay. So uh, Daniel Sam and Dr. Frazier have arrived at the tomb. They pause outside the entrance where Daniel loads one of the sedative darts into the dart gun. And then they head on in. And upon entering, Stephen is laying on the floor unconscious. Sam does not sense a ghoul in him. Yay. Uh, Frazier's... He looks like he's been punched in the face, poor guy. Yeah, he's got, like, blood all around his, like, mouth and nose. And, yeah, yeah. He, he looks like he's in rough shape. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Frazier says he's bleeding internally when Stephen finally kind of starts coming around. And he stole the amulet because he figured out that it was this key kind of thing and wanted to be the one who found whatever the key would unlock. And, no, he didn't open the Osiris jar. Daniel asks who did. I did. Oh, my God, it's Sarah, who is now a gold. And, and wearing very, like the most beautiful <laughs> white, like Shiro, just she looks like gorgeous. And then with the backlight too, and everything, it's fantastic. And her wild curly hair everywhere. And yep. Yeah. Question for you: How long do you think Sarah was Osiris? Do you think she's been Osiris like the whole time? That is a good question because I was kind of trying to figure this out myself because I would have thought it was very out of like her being as stealthy and just kind of like feeling out the environment and like hiding was very un like I would have thought that you know Gould in new body would have immediately started being like I am your god I you know like trying to take over Rather than being like, hold on, I'm going to hide here. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to stealth. Like, so I feel like it must have not been too long because I don't think she would have been all stealthy like that. So do you think then that the Osiris jar was not destroyed in the explosion? Because I always, it seems like she has been Osiris the whole time. For some reason, Sarah decided to open the jar Gould got out, so the Gould then sort of staged the explosion to destroy uh, the jar and stuff. So, Or there really was an explosion, and the explosion burst open the jar. And Sarah was nearby, and the Gould was like, I'm going to die! I hopped into Sarah. Maybe. Mm, could be. But then again, so she would have been Osiris the whole time then still, too. Yeah, that makes better sense. But it's still, it, it's very odd to me that she would be stealthy the whole time. But yeah. maybe just, it's one of those things. Yeah, well, because there is the thing where, I don't know if it's ever actually confirmed in the show, really. But there is the thing where once a ghoul becomes blended with the human, they basically get immediate access to that person's like brain memories and thoughts and all of that stuff so it could have been the sort of memory download from sarah was enough to confuse osiris to be like what the fuck is going on here what time like how long has it been where am i what's going on she doesn't know what stuff considered ancient relics yeah why is why does she think this is all old i was just here yesterday you know kind of so i could see maybe just the confusion being enough to be like okay if I'm going to take over and rule these people, I need to see what the situation is first and kind of going incognito then to be, to figure out who knows what, what do people think? What do people believe? Et cetera. Kind of thing. Mm, Me. Maybe. And how do I get all of my powerful stuff back? Yes. Yeah. Where's, yes. And where, where's McQueen? 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, so Sarah's the Gould. Uh, she tosses Sam and Dr. Fraser away with the hand device. Daniel takes a shot with the dart, but she blocks it. Uh, she then grabs him around the throat, has Gould do. And according to the IMDb trivia, they could not find corroborated anywhere and was not mentioned in the commentary, which I would think it would be. Uh, according to the IMDb trivia, at, during one take, Anna Louise Palmen was a little overzealous and actually caused Michael Shanks to pass out when she, like, did the whole neck grabby thing. Oh, really? Oh. <laughs> yes. But again, it's only on the IMDb trivia and is not corroborated anywhere else. And you would think Andy Makita, the director of this episode, would mention that on the commentary of this episode when they got to this scene. But he didn't say anything about that. So I don't know how true that is. Hmm. All right. So maybe that happened. Maybe it didn't. Allegedly. All right. We shall say. So Osiris wants to know how Daniel knows so much about things and like where the Stargate is, where Satesh is. And Daniel's like, well, Seth is dead. We killed him. And also, we also killed Ra and, and Hathor and Sokar. And she's like, that's great. Thanks. I can take over and rule everybody now. And he's like, yeah, no, not so much. Uh, okay, where's my queen? Uh, she was also trapped in a jar. We have it. Not going to tell you where it is, though. And then Osiris is like, oh, but you will. And breaks out the hand device and starts, you know, doing the brain melting torture thing. Uh, Daniel manages to reach into the pouch and uncap another sedative dart needle and jam it into Osiris's torso. He lets Daniel go and is like, what have you done to me? Uh, stumbles over to that hidden panel, opens it again, activates something, and we cut to outside the temple where there's a gold ship rising out of the sand behind the temple. Nobody ever finds that before. I know. It's like right there. It I know. Right there. After um, that whole 1930 excavation. How did nobody find that? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so Osiris starts posturing like the the the, the rivers of Earth will run red with blood and blah 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 before activating the transport rings and beaming up to the ship. Sam manages to come to and fires at the rings, but of course the bullets just bounce out, bounce off of it. She runs over to check on Daniel, who'll be who will be fine. He's like, I think I'm getting used to this, which that's not a good thing, Daniel. <laughs> No. Uh, Dr. Fraser heads back over to Stephen and is like, he should be fine if we can get him out of here like ASAP. And he's like, I guess we better come up with a cover story for what just happened. Uh, and then the ship flies away with this cool, weird little spiky thing on the bottom that no other gold ship ever has ever again. And that. <laughs> Where does and that even that, come from? And no, why? Why, did, why is it there? What does it do? I don't know. But that is the end. Ta-da. So then Stephen wakes up and they're like, oh, how weird. It was a gas leak here. Oh, man. You're, that's what your headache is from. It's just, it's so weird. Yes. Yeah, so. Also, Sarah is dead. Yes. Um, <laughs> so on the topic of Stephen, um, according to an interview with Joe Malazzi, he did have an idea for a follow-up story with him that unfortunately like never made it out of the writer's room. Um, because we will see Osiris again, but we don't see Stephen ever again. Uh, according to the interview, uh, the basic premise of the story involved SG-1 heading off-world and discovering they'd been beaten to an incredible archaeological find by another team headed by Stephen and bankrolled by a wealthy industrialist who had swung a deal to make use of the Russian gate. Oh. I know. I'm like, oh, that would be interesting. How did that, like, never become How a thing? How did that never happen? Because that sounds really cool. Yeah. Aw. Yeah. Boo. Yeah. Um, this episode was also nominated for a Leo Award for Best Visual Effects of a Dramatic Series. Oh. Well, I guess it was the mysterious hidden spiked ship that did it. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> yep. Um, okay. So, aside, aside from backup, do you have any other memos for this week? <sighs> eh, I mean, yeah, it really was just backup again. Because there were really no, like gaping holes in anything that just made me go like why 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 (laughs) yeah 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 Uh, (laughs) okay um these memos uh, are just getting silly by now because they're the same things over and over again the sgc just does not learn they don't but you know if they did then there wouldn't be a show so (laughs) that's true um, so episode title, The Curse, obviously a reference to, you know, Egyptian artifacts being cursed by, you know, 
dead pharaohs and mummies and whatever. Um, unfortunately, no really fun like territory, foreign territory titles this week. So, mm. um, so final thoughts. Do we like this episode? What do you think? I I liked this one. It felt kind of you know old school going back to the Egyptian ghouly uh, mythos kind of you know stuff um yeah and 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 i liked it for that and it didn't have any you know very many <laughs> gaping <laughs> gaping open plot holes that were just like but ugh, why yes. so i liked it I yeah. generally yes yes me too this is another one of like my favorite episodes like i was just thinking when we get to like our season four wrap-up episode i may have to try and convince you to do like a top 10 episodes from season four because i don't know if i can narrow it down to top five season four is so good there's so much good stuff this season maybe we'll do top eight (laughs) or something random top seven top six and a half i don't know should i I go get a couple die and roll it and we'll do whatever that number is oh maybe yeah it could be fun um yeah yeah i too enjoy this episode a lot uh again very pretty michael shanks in a lot of the scenes which his eyebrows were earning his paycheck Yes, very much. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and I don't know. It was also just kind of fun to see everybody like doing other stuff and like out of uniform and like in civvies and, you know, running around the desert. It's always fun. And yeah. Yeah. I, I do like when they kind of split them up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Although Jack and Tilk were in this episode for about like five minutes and then they were gone. <laughs> yeah. It's, I know. It's like you couldn't call Tilk back in to like head to Egypt. I like I know Jack destroyed the phone, but yeah, I don't know. There must be somebody you can call up there to get hold of him. I don't know. Anyway. All right. <laughs> what would have been awesome about that scene is if Jack, you know, destroyed the phone, whatever, gave it back to Tilk, and Tilk just pulls out a second phone. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, that would have been so good. Yes. Yes. <laughs> It I was want like, that scene we, now. We knew you would do this. <laughs> oh, number two. Uh, <laughs> that would have been awesome. That would have been great. Yeah. <laughs> great idea. Send send it to the writer's room. Oh, wait. The show yep. is not on anymore. Okay. Oh, Maybe that could be included in the list of memos. Second phone. <laughs> okay. So speaking of just like the show and how like every few months there's, you know, new Stargate shows coming kind of thing. Apparently there's now, I don't know how confirmed this is, but like Liam Hemsworth wants to like produce, like get in on like new Stargate. I don't know, produce star somehow Liam Hemsworth something with the new Stargate show. I'm like, that's interesting. I'm mad at the idea. Yeah, I know. I'm not, I'm not mad. I'm just like, that's interesting. Huh. So I don't know. I'm going to go with it's purely because of this podcast. It is, it is, <laughs> it is 100%. We are re-inspiring the world. Yes. <laughs> to love Stargate. Yep. So once you get the new series, you can thank us for it. <laughs> Liam Hemsworth is out there somewhere listening as one of our eight people. Well, like, Stargate is, like, really popular in Australia. Like, Australians, like, love this show. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's not, so it's not like, totally out of nowhere, but also it's kind of like, huh. Okay. I'm trying to think of what the new Stargate could be having to do with Australia specifically. Can't he just, maybe it's, like, it's now an actually officially international thing, and he's just an Australian guy who works at the SGC? It could be. <gasps> That would be awesome, too, if it was one of those not having anything to do with a Stargate team, like the staff in the base. <laughs> oh, that reminds, there's there's this book I've been meaning to recommend to you that I just finished reading. It's really interesting. Um, I can edit this out. Maybe I'll leave it in. Maybe other people out there want book recommendations. I don't know. Um, it's called Hench, uh, as in like, you know, like a hench person, henchman. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about this, it takes place in a world where like superheroes and supervillains are just, they're a thing. And there's this woman who works in like the admin for supervillains, like data entry oh. and like all this stuff. Um, and just like sort of like the mundane life this person leads, like trying to make a living working for supervillains. Then she gets 
horribly injured by a superhero who's come to attack the supervillain. Like her femur is shattered. So she's like laid up for six months and she becomes sort of obsessed with quantifying the damage done by superheroes, like using, um, I forget what it's called, but it's, it's an, like in, in reality, a thing where they like quantify like the death toll and stuff from natural disasters. And she's like, Oh my God, superheroes are natural disasters. And like, starts this blog and stuff like tallying like because you know innocent people die all the time getting caught in like the crossfire and you know the cost of lives like the actual monetary cost of lives um and then so this kind of blog thing eventually attracts the attention of this other supervillain so she goes to work there and he's like please use all of my like super awesome resources to help me take down all those superheroes and so they like they start this plan to like it's really, it's really good. I like it. I liked it a lot. I like that. I like that idea a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, it's sort in. of, yeah. It's like, cause there was supposed to be that show, I think on ABC as part of the sort of Marvel cinematic universe that was like about an insurance company of like the people who were like, Hey, uh, Captain America destroyed my car help, you know, but it right. got turned into something else. I think like Alan Tudyk was in it, but it like fizzled out after like not even a season because they changed the whole premise of it or something. But I'm like, I, yeah, it's like, I want, yeah, like that, Joe. Of I like funny. People. I know, because it can be funny. Like, still serious, but also funny, because I'm sorry, Hulk did what? Oh, how do we write that up? We, oh. <laughs> that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think we've, we've done it. We kind of went off a tangent there. <laughs> That's okay, though. It happens. It does happen. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you're still listening, thank you for listening. As always, you can find us on Twitter at SG underscore rewatch or send us an email at woo. That's W-O-O-S-G rewatch at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us, please. And we will see you next time for Serpent's Venom. Bye. Bye.